I'm a 360 filmmaker and I like using 360 virtual reality video for documentary storytelling primarily and I am currently directing a documentary series called With the Wind and the Stars and it's all about female pilots and so each episode follows a different pilot and it's like a portrait into her life and her world, why she flies, um, how she got into aviation, and following her on some um, journey towards a goal that she's trying to achieve. Okay, so welcome to the way to, to my podcast. Uh, we got to thanks for giving me time to, to have a little chat. And I just wanted to just give the viewers like, like, a chance to get to know you and stuff and just tell what uh, Soviet VL industry you're in. Sure, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast, David. Um, it's been really exciting to meet you and like, chat about our business and filmmaking um, since we've been getting to know each other and yeah so my name is Rachel and what I do is I uh, I'm a 360 filmmaker and I like using 360 virtual reality video for documentary storytelling primarily and I am currently directing a documentary series called with the wind and the stars and it's all about female pilots and so each episode follows a different pilot and it's like a portrait into her life and her world, why she flies, um, how she got into aviation and following her on some um, journey towards a goal that she's trying to achieve. So for the first episode, um, that follows the story of Tira Fraser, who is a mother, an entrepreneur, a pilot, um, an indigenous Métis woman, and now a CEO of her own airline. And so the episode really takes you on a journey from just learning like how she got into aviation, how she became a pilot, and why she wanted to start her own business uh, and her mission with the airline. So yeah, so working on that series is a big part of what I do. Um, I'm also a traditional video editor, so flat footage. I do that as like the primary way that I make income. Um, so I'll be editing, uh, I'll be editing a variety of stuff, usually for nonprofits. Uh, so that's really fun to do. And uh, also, I recently started a business with my colleague Forrest Brennan called Forever VR, and it's a 360 wedding videography business. And also, we will film special occasions. They don't just have to be weddings. Um, but yeah, we decided we wanted to start a business together back in the fall and then the pandemic happened and we thought we would be filming a lot of weddings with 360 video by this summer and now we're still trying to do that but also trying to figure out how to navigate this new world. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's most of what, and sometimes I teach 360 video production. I'll do like guest lectures or teach a class at different um, at different filmmaking centers or colleges, although I'm not teaching anything right at this moment. Uh, 
yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Yes, I mean, let me just talk about what uh, the one in the stars, uh, the Pelican series and, and stuff. I watched the first episode. It's pretty amazing to see that part that I expected to be in the airplane and stuff with the one pilot. And... Yeah, I feel like 360 storytelling and aviation, that goes together so well because to fly in a, a smaller aircraft is a really special experience. To fly a plane yourself is a life-changing experience and you just can't know what that feels like until you do it. But with 360 video, you're pretty close to how that feels. And so to get that perspective um, with this type of technology is really intriguing to me. And um, I'm also really interested in bringing you close to women who are doing interesting things in their lives. Uh, I like telling stories that have women at the center of the story and um, just creating more visibility for uh, women in aviation who are leaders, who are uh, challenging themselves, maybe facing their fears along the way. And I really hope that with the Women in the Stars will uh, just create more visibility for what women are already doing in uh, the field of aviation and hopefully normalize that more. Because today in the global pilot population, um, only 7% of pilots are women. And that's really, surprisingly so few uh, female pilots. And so I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. And I would like the series to be sort of like this gateway into what aviation is all about to help expose people to that world, people who might have never felt that they were really welcomed or even maybe even capable of accessing that before. I think that they can with 360 video and to see these women um, starting airlines, going to fly for the airlines, building their own planes. Like, I think that will really unlock for the viewer just some possibilities in their own imagination of what they can do in their own lives. Yeah, I think uh, if anybody wants to just get view the, the probably first episode in 360, how would you recommend them doing it? I know it's on YouTube. But. Yes, YouTube is great. It's on Facebook. So with the Wind and the Stars, our handle on social media is always at Wind and Stars 360. So you can find us on Facebook that way to watch it on Facebook, um, YouTube, of course. It's also on, um, so if you're in a VR headset, so you could watch it a number of ways. You can watch it on Oculus TV. Last I checked, it was in a special category for stories about women. Now, what was the name of that category? I forget. <laughs> I forget what the category was called, but I haven't checked that in a minute, so I'll have to double check and see if that's still there. But it was an Oculus TV at one point. Um, you can also, if you get the 360 Labs app, so I do a lot of work with this company called 360 Labs. They're a 360 video production company in Portland, Oregon, where I'm based. And uh, they have their own app for all of their original documentary content. And so the first episode is also there. And uh, you can see that, you can see their app on Oculus TV, Samsung VR, HTC, um, Viveport. It's also on there. Pretty much like any VR, major VR platform, 
you can find it. I still need to get it onto Veer. That's something I need to do. Um, also, episode one is going to be on this really cool new VR field trip platform called Kai XR, which is all about creating accessible VR field trips for kids. And so I think in the next month, that's going to be available as part of like a VR field trip experience, which I'm really excited about. What's your hobbies so view of of where people are going for 360 content? Would you say more towards YouTube or more other platforms and stuff like Facebook? Or? That is a really good question. I don't have a lot of metrics to know the answer to that. I only have instincts, I guess. Um, I feel like YouTube VR makes a lot of sense because YouTube has, I'm pretty sure there's a billion unique users every month on YouTube. Now, that doesn't mean that's YouTube VR, but so many people are going to YouTube to access content that, and the YouTube VR app is accessible on every major um, VR headset that I know of. So I feel like YouTube is a natural conduit to find 360 content. But then if you look at like the Facebook environment, obviously with Oculus owning Facebook, they really support 360 content as well. And if you have the Facebook 360 app or Oculus TV, I feel like that is a really, um, you know, emerging place to find more 360 content. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, I feel like people who really engage with that medium regularly, I feel like they probably do own VR headsets so that they can experience that to the fullest. So in terms of like on a VR headset where people would access that most, the Within app is definitely a major place where I think people will be watching. But inside of a VR headset, things are like so divided and segmented that I feel like still today, it's an awkward experience for the audience just to like explore and find things that they want to watch. So I really do like YouTube for that reason, because that's a ecosystem that people are already really familiar with. And so they just can naturally, I think, find 360 stuff there. Between Facebook and YouTube, I feel like that's really big. But then Veer is really huge for um, like if you're living in China, like I feel like you're going to access a lot of 360 content through the Veer platform, I would guess. Yeah, I think the Veer, I haven't had as a good as with Beyond yet, but not yet. But I have a few big films up there, but not. Uh, I think they really switched their market into like paid work, so they only accept a lot. Of, it's like only a few different projects each. Interesting. They really changed then, because it used to be it felt like YouTube, where anybody can upload, and there was tons of stuff. So it sounds like now they're curating that a bit more. I don't know. I don't really like gatekeepers. Mm. It's just, but if that makes it better for the audience, okay, maybe, but I don't know. I feel like the audience can curate things for themselves to a certain extent. If something's really, yeah, just, I, I hate having gatekeepers on the work that we make. Like I want to be able to access as many people as possible and show that to them. So, but then there is that level of like, needing to curate content so that when people get a VR headset, put it on for the first time, they're seeing something that's comfortable for them to watch and it's made in a certain like 
with a certain amount of quality that they will enjoy that. So I guess there's a balance there. Yeah, I think I've been watching more content on the YouTube on the uh, recently. I think I came across one of the in Canada was like a window canal, a building of all the canals and stuff that they built in Canada and stuff. And it's, oh, cool! And I never really found that if it wasn't way really on YouTube. So I think it's probably good with that one when it's on like a major platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you know if you have it on YouTube it's like you don't really know if people are going to be watching that in a headset or maybe on a phone or computer but I I used to be really concerned about that a while ago I used to want to really make sure that people were only watching my film in a VR headset that they were only seeing my work that way because it's designed to be experienced that way but now with the pandemic i've really changed my thinking on that a lot because i don't see how we're going to bring vr to people in an accessible way for a while because like i would what i used to do was i'd have a lot of vr screenings and i um, working with 360 labs we had 30 oculus go vr headsets i mean we still have them but we would do all these community screening events and hundreds of people would come and they'd be able to put a headset on and see what we made, right? And like, that was such a great way for people to access content without having to invest in a headset of their own so they could really see what VR was all about. And now it's like, yeah, we're not gonna be able to do events like that for so long. I really don't know when people will want to put something on their face that other people have worn. I don't know when it will be smart to safe to do that again. Like there's just so many questions. I doubt it will happen before 2022, honestly. Like unless there's some major developments where we can sterilize things really quickly with UVC light and I don't know, but even then, yeah, it's just a big question mark. So that all that is to say that I'm a lot more interested in having platforms that are accessible to people, whether or not they have a headset. So at least they can see it. And if they can see it, you know, and just have more exposure to that, then maybe, okay, yeah, I really like want to get a VR headset now. And hopefully prices will come down for VR headsets. They need to come down soon because this is, like this is the moment for VR to be more helpful for people. But if it's really expensive, people aren't gonna, they're not gonna get a headset. Yeah, I think the Oculus, I think there's one of the Quest 2 is coming out in September or, September or sometime in the fall. That is yeah. so exciting. Let's see, see what the design is, if they design it more so that you can clean it better. Cool. Looks like a Quest and a Go that got into like a hybrid. It's a like to me, like it looks so much like a Go, but it ha I don't know, just guessing here. Like I feel like it's a because you know they're sunsetting the Go and the Quest. The Quest is over a year old, so it would make sense for them to make a better version of it. I don't know. Like I don't know if it's going to be a Quest 2 or if this is going to be the new entry model but it did seem like with that announcement of the go being discontinued over time that they were saying we are all about quest but maybe this new one will be cheaper if it was so right now quest is four hundred dollars what if it was closer to three hundred dollars 
would that make the difference for people to be able to say, yes, I want to get VR right now? I mean, 200 would be really great. But I don't know if could do that. But if they did, that would change a lot of things, I think. I think that would be great if they can make that price point lower. It's hard to convince your clients to like be able to afford just like a video of 360 and then plus they then they have to buy like a headset for people to view their content or so it's hard yeah. to sell. I think the sell is really hard, like you said, like it you know because the client might have one headset that they can utilize, but ultimately they're gonna wanna get that content in front of a lot of other people, their customers, right? So, and you're not in an environment anymore where you can invite people to your storefront and they can try VR. Like we can't share these devices the way that we used to. So it really does come down to having these things be more affordable so that people can try VR. I think it'd be really cool to do some type of bundle deal where people buy i don't know like maybe they get a new phone and then they get a headset too but see that would require oculus to coordinate with some other entity this is why if apple comes out with something in the next two years that's going to be amazing because they probably would have some type of deal like that like oh you get the new iphone and now you get these xr glasses we just have to i feel like we need as people who work in VR right now, we need to just hold on and hold tight and try to make it through the ups and downs of this industry at this moment because the moment that Apple enters the scene, I feel like it's going to just be like this rising wave that there's gonna be a lot more business for us. And um, I hope that that does happen. There's all these rumors and then it's like, they still haven't done anything, but I feel like whatever they're doing, they really want to get it right. Yeah, I think definitely though, I think with just having a major company and stuff, just to having that ownership of like, just having content. And I think mostly it's just more content for being out to like all the major platforms like Apple the whole world produce more VR content for their own platform. Yeah, they do need that. They do need that because there is content out there right now, but is it enough to convince someone that if they put down the money, that every month there's going to be a bunch of new stuff for them to experience? I mean, I think so, but I feel like I'm a big enthusiast, so it's easier for me to know like, oh yeah, there's tons of stuff that you can do with this headset. Yeah. I don't know. And that's the other thing too, is like, maybe we just need to be louder about all the stuff that's accessible to you if you get one. So people really understand, like you can paint in here, you can um, socialize with people in here. As long as your friend has a headset too, now you guys can play games in Rec Room or Alt Space. Like there's, there's so much that you can actually do right now. And it, not everything's perfect, but um, yeah, that's why, like, in some ways, I'm really shocked that mobile VR, like where you have a smartphone and you put it into a special headset, like uh, the Gear VR, the Samsung Gear VR was so good. It was expensive and it required an expensive smartphone, but that model, I thought that did make a lot of sense because most 
people do have some kind of smartphone. And so if you can get a headset that makes that a comfortable experience, you know, the headset can be cheaper, like $150. But then it's like with the Go, you're like, okay, well, I'm already looking at a price point of 200 for that. And it's all in one. So I don't know. I go back and forth in my head a lot. Like, why did mobile VR die off? Because that seemed like a good idea. Yeah, I think that I kind of like the almost like the Google Cardboard almost is a nice little one because people can, if you have a decent like phone, you can put it in and it'll be like somewhat good quality, but it's like, it would be good enough for the average person or something. It would make it yeah. for me because I know, I know what the quality of what because it could be, but but for just the average person, I think it would be a good enough quality. That's why I think we're going to see mobile VR 2.0. We will see it again. I think it will be when Apple decides to put something out because they'll put something out that this is my guess, or I don't know. It's not really a guess. I must've read something. I like, I'm sure I didn't come up with this idea, but like the phone that you already have is the GPU CPU and it's connected wirelessly and it helps to power your goggles so they can be more lightweight but it pairs with like the existing product line of Apple so that they still support their mobile business. But then also they have this, like, I really think that there's going to be, I don't know, like it'd be cool if they made an R, an all-in-one XR goggle, but I feel like it is going to tie into a smartphone somehow. Yeah, that's what I think. It'll probably be like the Apple Watch or something. Right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, it's a watch on its own, but it's connected. And so you get these push notifications to the watch. Yeah. Um, I maybe like fitness or something or something you can do your, like a fitness routine or something. Easy to do. Yes. Oh my gosh. Definitely. Just to, yeah. And in VR would be really cool. So, I mean, we're in the middle of a moment right now where if we had all these things right now, this would be the moment for VR to just explode. Like, this is its moment. And it's just like, we're not quite there yet, but I feel like this will accelerate the industry as a whole and get us closer to more and more people owning some type of VR device at home or AR. Yeah, so I think I'll be just... Uh... Yeah. Good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. Just to wrap up, is the, the, the how are you doing through the pandemic and stuff? Are you still doing with the COVID nineteen? So I'm doing okay because I can work at home safely, and I still have some work. Uh, most of it, though, is traditional video editing work. That's slowed down a lot, but. It's starting to pick up a little bit again as people are learning how to film and film outside and, and to film safely. Like film productions are figuring out again how to operate with what we know about how the virus is transmitted. So in terms of the pandemic, like now I feel like I'm getting a little bit more work again. Um, and then in terms of filming with the wind and the stars, you and I have been talking about collaborating for episode two about Noor because she lives in Montreal and you are like two hours yeah, away from there. Yes. And so Nora has been filming her multi-engine training herself with the GoPro Fusion. And 
I'm trying to adapt. Like, I don't think I will go back to film anything with Noor for a long time because I don't think it will be. It might be possible to have travel between the U.S. and Canada in. I don't know how long that will be, honestly, because our cases here are just really crazy. So. Yeah. Wait. Now they, they, yeah, I think they still closed the border. Canada, yeah, I think it's closed through September. September I, yeah. yeah, and see, I feel like they're going to keep pushing that, pushing that, pushing that. So I kind of resigned myself to the fact that to finish Nora's episode, I don't think I'm going to go back in person to film again. And I want to have her episode done. I want to have her episode done, honestly, pretty soon. So I think that you and I are going to work together so that she's filming herself flying but there's still the need for another videographer to be there to get things outside of the aircraft and also like I it's definitely one of those things where like there will need to be some remote collaboration with the VR professional in addition to what Nora's doing on her own to get the rest of that story but um I'm very excited for what she's been capturing like the footage looks really good and she's getting all these different stages of her training so that's really exciting and there's not too much more really to capture with her to get that episode done so i'm very much looking forward to continuing to work on her episode despite everything that's going on with COVID 19 i feel like the production can still continue in a safe way and have that episode uh done and then out into the world hopefully by the end of the year so in terms of like getting through the pandemic i just really try to keep thinking about how to move stuff forward and adapt to the new situation that we're in and just like think creatively about how to work around that yeah well sounds good uh, look at it yeah i'm looking forward to maybe working with you and no yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, tell you things again for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Um, great to chat with you again. And yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. Mm -hmm.